the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2 of our daily three-hour tour. Someone I've been wanting to hear from, and I am delighted to be able to bring to you is Eli Crane, my friend, candidate for U.S. Congress here in Arizona, District 1, a little bit south of here. His website, eliforarizona.com. Eli, he spells E-L. Eli Crane is not only a great congressional candidate, he might be the greatest congressional candidate in this upcoming season. Five wartime deployments, three of them to the Middle East with SEAL Team 3. Someone I wanted to hear from today. Eli, thanks for joining us. Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me, brother. You betcha. Thank you for calling me that. I think of you as such as well. All right, brother, you start. You watched what we've um, been doing the last 20 years, maybe even longer, as a as an institution United States, as a sub-institution, the United States military, something big happened, something big changed over the last couple of weeks and certainly over the last 48 hours. Where do you see America today? Where do you see what's transpired in Afghanistan, Eli? Well, I see us at a point of all-time weakness. I mean, and uh, let's be honest, it's not just in Afghanistan. It's not just what we see overseas, but, you know, it's it's on our borders. It's economically... Um, and I think Americans are, you know, very nervous and very concerned about the things that are going on. They're seeing things that they've never seen in their life before, like, for instance, the whole vaccine issue and being coerced and in, in some cases either forced to take it or not. And, you know, I think we're in a really bad spot and it just makes me long for a days where we had better leadership and cooler heads. Eli, on that point, uh, referencing COVID and where Americans are with their government, um, isn't it also partly that Americans are kind of tired of being lied to? And it feels like we were always lied to in a sense under rubrics of things like national security. Now it's come into areas like public health. Is there anything right now about this government that Americans don't think they're being lied to about? Their director of Homeland Security says the border is secure. We know damn well it isn't. We're told riots are peaceful. We know damn well they're not. Or protests are peaceful when they're riots. We know they're darn well not. We know what we're being told about Afghanistan from this administration not only shifts day to day, but just isn't true. Americans are tired of being lied to, first and foremost, right, Eli? Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and that's actually one of the reasons that I decided, you know, to quit complaining about it and actually throw my hat into the ring because I'm, I feel the exact same way. It got to the point where if I wanted to know what was going on, I would almost turn on CNN, MSNBC, sure. um, or a couple other programs for that matter. Yep. And I would all. I would assume that the exact opposite of what they were putting out and saying right. became the truth. And right. you get to become that skeptical. And it doesn't mean that that's always the case, but they lied to you so much. And our government was no exception to that rule that it just becomes, it, 
it gets to a point where people feel hopeless and like they can never they can never hear the truth. And I think you're seeing more of that in Afghanistan. Anybody with two eyes to see and two ears to hear knows that that's been a complete disaster and a complete debacle. And now you see an administration that's trying to take credit for what a great job that they've done when the American people know full well how just awful it's been, um, what the state is. They know that we just armed the Taliban and made them one of the biggest armies in the world with our tax dollars. And they know that we have an open southern border. And Seth, there's something I want to bring up because when I was in Iraq three times, friends and family members used to ask me all the time. They would say, hey, Eli, what do you think about being over there? Should we be over there? Should we not be over there? And one of the things I would tell them, you know, well, what, regardless of whether you're at politically and whether you think we should be trying to nation build or not, one of the things I would say was, have you noticed that there haven't been any major attacks on right. U.S. soil since we've been over here? Right. That, that, that becomes one of the byproducts even though it doesn't justify, you know, some of our strategy, in, in my opinion. However, now that we're not there um, wrapping these guys up in their own backyard and we don't have a border system, that's what scares me to death is because I know what these guys are capable of. I, I know what their motivation is. I know what their desires are. And I know that they see complete ignorance and weakness from our leadership and so as somebody who swore an oath to protect our country and our constitution from foreign and domestic threats, it really concerns me. And I really will be surprised if within the next couple of years we don't see some major attacks on U.S. soil. We're speaking with Eli Crane. He is a candidate for Congress here in CD1, Congressional District 1 in Arizona. EliforArizona.com is his website, among other great successes, including being a great small businessman who employs veterans. Eli has um, himself been in the Special Forces and in five wartime deployments. Eli, let me do a little philosophy with you, if I can, maybe. Um, one of the things someone like me has struggled with, I have struggled with right. over the years, is trying to communicate evil in this world and the role of America right. in it. And right. it's, it's made especially difficult when American institutions say that when they find or look for evil, they say that it's right here in America. America is the problem. America is the institutionally racist society that is engaged in tyranny and barbarism against its minority population, so much so that we even need to change the date of our founding. And 9-11 was a clarifying moment where we actually saw, despite all this relativistic BS, we actually saw what a hand and face of evil can do. But then we kind of numbed ourselves and went back to type. Is this part of the problem here? Do we not grasp what the Taliban is? Do we not grasp what Islamofascism is? Because when we think evil, we think Donald Trump or Jesse Helms or Ronald Reagan or something like that. Well, Seth, I think this is part a big part of the greater problem, and this is one of the reasons I think generally that this country is in so much trouble because you have so many people who are so complacent and complacency in this case is a byproduct of so much freedom and so much prosperity that we don't think that we have to tune in anymore. We don't think it, we don't think it matters what we say. We think that everything's going to be taken care of for us. We think that somebody's going to come save the day for us. And we don't think furthermore that, 
this this great nation that many of us still love could ever possibly collapse. And so it breeds this um, this complacency that's almost unmatched anywhere in the world. And because of that, you know, we don't really tune in. We don't really remember the lessons of the past. We don't really remember what happened in Vietnam, nor do we care. And we don't understand what happens when we start to teach these very destructive and divisive ideologies like um, cultural Marxism and critical race theory to our kids. And we just go, all we're focused on is what's on Netflix, what am I going to eat for dinner, and where I'm going for vacation. And that's why we're in this spot, in my opinion, because the silent majority has been silent and they've been complacent. Silent majority, Eli, encourages me. I often wonder if we are still... As a lot of people like to say, and it rolls off their tongues, a center-right country. Your sense? Are we still a center-right country? I have my doubts. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what they are. I know that every institution in this country, perhaps with the exception of your business and talk radio, is basically an outpost of progressivism at this point, including professional athletics. And even, I have to say, the officer class of the military. I'll let you contradict me if you want. But given all that, it's amazing to me that a Republican gets elected anywhere, anytime, which makes me think maybe we are still a center-right country because <laughs> we're basically 50-50 in the Senate in a country that's progressive throughout its entirety of institutions. But I don't know. I don't know. What's your sense? I think that, I think that you're right when you talk about where the major institutions are at, okay. and that's across the board. Do you and include the officer of- class of the military, by the way? Absolutely. Okay. I wanted. I didn't want to overstep my skis. Okay. Nope. Okay. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And however, I do believe that you know Joe and Nancy Smith, your average Americans, are still you know slightly center right, and I think that's becoming more slight every single yeah. year. Yeah. As as academia continues to and and entertainment continues to indoctrinate and brainwash our kids and then they come back home and tell mom and dad that they're so racist for, you know, voting for Donald Trump and this and that and the other thing and listening to Rush Limbaugh or furthermore your show said. <laughs> oh, you, you know, but you know, but it's and no that to me that would be a compliment if if that's me because that means you're holding the line and you continue to speak truth but i think that's where uh, you know i i still think that's where america is you know the the populace and i to your point i don't think we'd be, be winning any of these elections if we'd we'd gone that far as a populace I, I like your construction though eli i think you're right it's becoming ever ever worse uh by the day and why wouldn't it i mean who's churning out common sense thinkers and who's churning out progressives. If you put together our high schools and our colleges, we're churning out something on the order of six to more million people a year drenched in progressivism. Who's fighting that, right? Well, you are, and and I'm doing my best, Eli. But let me ask you this, as long as you have the microphone here for a moment, because you're not getting it from this presidency, and some of us still think Islamofascism and terrorism is a big damn deal in this country. Would you, given your experience and what you've seen in the Middle East and what you've seen in your life, would you give this country a moment or two of your of your thoughts or time on what it is that we're facing in this enemy? What is radical Islam? What is their intent? What is what is their belief structure vis-a-vis the United States of America? Well, the radical element, um, it's you know, it's it's still a minority of Islam, but even then 
it's a huge population of people, you know, around the world. And it's a very dangerous ideology because basically what they want to do is they either want to convert you to, you know, their way of thinking and their spiritual beliefs, or they want to kill or enslave you. And that's, you know, you're the, you're the great infidel if you don't fall in line with, you know, um, where they're at. And that's very, very dangerous, obviously, and it's very anti-American. And so it's something that, you know, I remember I joined the Navy the week after 9-11, and I do remember, I don't like the way that we went about it, but I do remember George Bush talking about how this is, this is a war that we're going to fight for a very, very long time. And this is something, you know, that if you understand history and you understand where the radicals are at in radical Islam, you know that there's no way to get around it. it they're not going to stop. They're never going to give up. Obviously, we can choose how we engage with them. We can choose how we fight. Do we take it? Are we offensive? Are we defensive? You know, and then how do we deploy forces? We can we can argue about that, but there's really no argument about whether or not they will continue to try and destroy Western culture, whether they will continue to try and kill and capture and enslave what they consider to be infidels. It, there's no argument about that. And it's a big force, even if a minority, as you put it, that could right. still be anything from millions to tens of millions. Eli exactly. Crane for U.S. Congress, CD1, just south of here where we are. Eli for Arizona, E-L-I-F-O-R, Arizona.com. Eli, um, what can I tell you? Non-CB said Patriot. I thank you very much. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate the opportunity. You betcha. Not self, but country. That's what Eli swore to and it's what he swears to. If you're looking to help out a congressional race in this state, Eli Crane. If you're looking to help out a congressional race in this country, Eli Crane. Eliforarizona.com. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 602-508. 0960. Sharon is in Phoenix. Hello, Sharon. Hi, Seth. Hey, just wanted to comment. One thing I noticed on the brave uh, men and women that we lost last week in Kabul, that they were from small town America, the heartland of America. You didn't see any of this, the city people there. And it's like, that's the part of the country that all of the D.C. elitists can't stand, but yet they were there serving their country. Maybe we should bring back the draft for people in uh, city zip codes. Well, I'll tell you a few things, Sharon, that you make me think of. Um, the draft is an interesting question, and I, and, I, and, I, and I sympathize with the notion behind it. When I have raised it with people who have worn the uniform, the, what they have told me is they don't want a draft because, not to mention a lot that are ineligible, they prefer a self-selecting system. It tends True, to, you're going to have yeah, more yeah, heart in it. Yeah, it yeah. tends to it tends yeah. to provide you a leg up with recruiting and all the rest, obvious for obvious reasons. But but, so but, but the point the, is the point is a really good one and an important one because when I when when I when I think about our 18 year olds in this country, I think about first what do they know and what do they not know, 
And I know one thing they don't know is this country. And the reason I say that is data. You can talk about math scores. You can talk about language arts or reading scores or physical sciences. But our high school student's single worst subject is American history. So much so that a high school senior in America is as likely as not to have an F in American history. That is to say 50% of our high school graduating seniors fail at American history, 50%. Now, what does that mean to an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old ready to move on from high school? This is a person who's not only obviously eligible now to vote and for the first time, it's someone who's eligible to pursue studies in college, perhaps a career of some kind, but also to enter the military, also to enter the military. Do you think it would help our military? It would help our military recruiting. Do you think it would help, excuse me, help the sentiment about the importance of our military if perhaps more than half of our potential members of the military every year actually knew their country? and knew the country that they were being asked to sign up and serve and defend? How do you ask, in other words, a 17- or 18-year-old to sign up and serve a country they don't know, much less love? It's impossible. You know, that's a better point beyond mine. You know, and I, I, like I said, my focus was just on, they're coming from all these obscure towns that just get scoffed at by, you know, CNN, uh, Pelosi, Harris. But uh, may have a better sense of the country and actually may have a better sense of history. You know, one of the reasons C.S. Lewis said the uh, the uh, important that it was important to teach history is because precisely because once you know history, you are less subject to propaganda. How smart is that? How smart was Mm -hmm. that? If you don't know about 1776 and everything it really meant and what our founders really thought and believed, of course you're susceptible to someone saying, well, the whole point was to protect and defend slavery. Of course, of course you're subject Mm -hmm. to that. It's false. It's junk. It's worse than that. It's BS. Right, Sharon? But you're subject to it. it. And so where are you when these major city school systems are in the hands of leaders like the one I quoted earlier in Los Angeles who says there's no such thing as loss of learning. Our students didn't suffer over the last year. She calls them kids, by the way. She called them kids. Mm -hmm. Our kids didn't lose anything. She said it's okay they don't know their times tables. They know that words insurrection and coup and the difference between a riot and a protest. The problem is they don't. The second problem is she thinks that's what they're there for, propaganda. And this is why major cities aren't represented in our military. Major cities are represented by our unions in the classroom. Yep. But uh, anyway, so yeah, very good show today. Thank you, dear. I appreciate uh, it very much. Keep on listening. Alrighty. Thank you, Sharon. God bless you. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. The concept of accountability when it comes to everything we've watched in this White House and Afghanistan seems elusive at this point, doesn't it? Who's going to make someone resign and who's going to resign? I'll tell you why it's not going to happen likely on its own or from internal pressures. It's not going to happen. Joe Biden is not going to ask General Milley or the head of CENTCOM or the head of Defense Austin or the head of State Blinken or his nationals. He's not going to ask for any of those resignations. Resignations. It's not in his interest to ask one of those people to resign, especially at this stage, is to admit failure. And President Biden, if you watched his speech today or any of his speeches, will not admit to failure, will not admit to any mistakes. He will tell you this, as Jen Psaki will tell you, was a tremendous success. Just as they will tell you the border is secure. Just as they will tell you any number of things like I was discussing with Eli Crane. There is not going to be any action from inside this administration. There will be no internal accountability. The buck stops here is a nice statement. It's meaningless, at least in the hands of this president. No heads are going to roll. Today, 90 military, ex-military or retired military, I should say, 90 retired military leaders called for a It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless and until someone or someone's in the media do with this what was done with 9-11. Do you remember what was done with the 9-11? The media could not wait to find internal dissenters within the Bush administration. Do you remember Richard Clark? Will there be a Richard Clark to come out of this administration? Will there be an examination of what military leaders told the Department of Defense, the Department of State, and Joe Biden versus what Joe Biden and those spokesmen told the American people? Will there be an investigation into the decision to abandon Bagram Air Base? Will there be an investigation into the decision to use Karzai International over Bagram? Will there be an investigation into the release of thousands of prisoners from Bagram? Will there be any of that? Not without a commission, not without hearings, and not without a press that gives a damn about those things. And you know damn well that if the Republican, if it was a Republican that this took place under, those investigations and commissions would already be in motion. They would already be in motion. Calls for resignation would permeate the headlines. Permeate the headlines. There would be no distractions about acts of God, forces majeure, like hurricanes. There would be no focus on anything but this. Anything but this. So I don't think we're going to have any internal process accountability. I just don't see it coming. 
The press, by and large, I have to tell you, has been okay. Not better than okay, but okay is better than they've been on anything else. They've been okay. Not much better. But President Biden repeatedly misled the American public on this issue. We can talk about other issues. I have files on them, too, at least in my head. But on this He repeatedly misled the American people. And some of them are dead. You can make fun, as they did all day long, about the lies or mistruths or untruths or alternative facts of Donald Trump. Tell me about one that made a difference to anyone or was of anything of serious consequence other than than exaggeration or braggadocio on things that did not affect serious public policy or life. Name me one. But here we have repeated misleadings at best, if not lies, at worst, about our national security, about war, and about safety, not only of us but our allies. Repeated lies. And there will be no internal mechanism of accountability. And there will probably be no external mechanism after this week. I'll tell you what we'll probably focus on starting next week. I have a guess. I'm Seth Liebson. Hold me to it. We'll be right back. There's there's no real space for me to put this out there, so I'm just going to do it. It's been on my mind all day. I watched um, – I, I have now taken to watching Bill Maher's show on a regular um, basis because I'm, I'm watching uh, one of the last liberals. It should be on a museum. We used to say there were about four liberals left in America. Jonathan Turley, Alan Dershowitz, Joe Lieberman, if people ever – decide to interview him. I'm probably missing one, but I believe Bill Maher to be one such, classically, truly liberal. And I'm, you know, not so crazy as to think that today's conser- tomorrow's conservatives will be today's liberals who get censored and canceled, but I still believe it true in a lot of fronts. I don't think Bill Maher will become a conservative, but for right now, I'll take him as a liberal. Larger point. I was watching his show this past weekend, and he did a political panel with two guests. One was Caddy Kay. I knew her when she used to work for the BBC. She's with some other news organization now. Big liberal, big favorite of MSNBC. And Ralph Reed, who heads the Faith and Freedom Coalition. And I've known Ralph for, I don't know, a long time, a couple, three decades. And it was, I'm going to kid you not, I'm going to tell you the honest-to-God's truth. That political panel with Bill Maher and Caddy Kay and Ralph Reed was probably the most sophisticated political discussion, the most serious political discussion, the most intelligent political discussion I have seen on TV, cable, or network with opposing sides in years. Years. Ralph Reed was treated with respect by someone who doesn't respect his point of view or from where he gets it, Bill Maher or Katty Kay. 
Caddy K deferred to him where he was right. They were polite. There was no shouting. And Bill Maher deferred to Ralph when he was right. Ralph is always underestimated. He is one of the great political thinkers of our time, regardless of whether you agree with him or not. And he was treated as such, as were the liberals, and he treated them that way. He actually got to speak. He actually got to speak without being made fun of and without the host encouraging the audience to make fun of him. And they couldn't be on more opposite points. My point is when Bill Maher is able to do this, what's the matter with the rest of them? Why can't the rest of the media get this? Why can't they do it? It harms you not at all. And it might just get you a kind word from observers here and there. There's still room for intelligent and thoughtful discussion. Who would have thought it would come on a purported comedy show? I just, for some reason, needed to say that. Jeff is in Phoenix. I agree wholeheartedly, but um, that doesn't uh, doesn't sell Taco Bell nope. and Pepsi and Coke. Nope, so. I agree. I agree. Just a point about the media. Nope. When they can't do as yep. well as a comedian, they've got a problem. That's all. Yep. Yep. Maybe Sorry, we have a problem. Talking. Maybe we Americans have a problem. Well, I was just going back to your thing about accountability, and it's funny because I always think back to what I learned something as a child, uh, and I bet kids, you probably ask them nowadays, anything about Aesop's fables, and they would look at you like yeah. a dumb look yeah, and have no clue. But, um, you know, I always reference this. I've told you several times, the emperor has no clothes. And we sit here and we... And I don't know if these off labels that had that story or not, but it's the same thing. When your lies are based on your well-being, what you get, what you're getting in life, your job, everything else that all these people that are lying, that are lying, lying, lying. They get up there and lie about how they did, how what they did, who was responsible, who's not responsible. We're, well, it sounds like American people are always more responsible. The taxpayer, we're the ones responsible. We can do whatever we want up here. Joe Biden lies and says he did a great job. And all these pits, I mean, there's spy planes over there. There's freaking people hanging from Black Hawk helicopters flying around. And that's what they're doing to people now. And we did a great job. I mean, we have to be kidding ourselves. We are it's, looking it's, it's at It's surreal. No, I, I, I think it's surreal, Jeff. So much so that I said I think the newspapers, by the newspapers, I mean mainstream. And by mainstream, I mean things like New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post. They are doing okay on this. They actually are doing okay. Not better than okay, but they're doing okay because I think not even they can stomach it. You know why? You know why? A lot of this did hit them in a weird way. You know, a lot of them have allies and friends and colleagues on the ground. They may not be Americans, but they've been Afghan. A lot of them have Afghan, have Afghan talent on the, on the ground, and I think it hit them personally too. Well, something you said, Seth, and I don't remember who it was that quoted, it was somebody that said who it was in history, they didn't get the message until they heard the screams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whitaker Chambers, right. That was, okay. his, that was his point about communism. Every ex-communist ultimately became an ex-communist because he heard the screams and he couldn't take it anymore. Right. What, what point do we have to be as people... Jeff, I have been wondering that question for 30 years. It is the question of our age. At what point does the hearing aid register those screams? Yeah, and you do something. You you do something. I mean, you do something more than just... I mean, there has to be 
uh, I'm sorry, and I don't want to preach to anyone because I know I need to do more. It's just amazing to me that I see these interviews on television when they walk up to kids in college and they ask them, and they're like, I mean, it's like literally they don't even know what's going on in the world. It's like their little bubble they live in, and you talk about privilege and spoiled, and I mean, these ki- these yes. people have no clue. agreed, 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 and it's not their fault. Oh, I know they've been. It's not there. We would not have a youth or child problem in this country if we didn't have an adult problem. Absolutely, it's easier to sit your kid down in front of a television, give him a cell phone, and say, "Raise yourself," or send him to school. And then what do the and and then what do the parents do? They're out there partying every happy hour. They're out there doing this. Well, let let me let me tell you, parent, even good parents, even parents that aren't doing that, have the struggle of their lives and the fight of their lives, Jeff. Because how many kids come home with a with with a converse point of view from what their family's trying to tell them, and the child says, "Well, yeah, but the teacher says X." Teacher has no business saying X. My but it's an awfully powerful not. thing to tell a child who's naturally rebellious in the first place. Well, my sister will not speak to me now because her niece, my niece, went to college and became a leftist. Full-blown. Works for the government, everything now. And my sister chose her side instead of the side she grew up at a conservative house with a father who served on Iwo Jima. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. It, it. She says she puts more faith in man than she does God. Mm-hmm. What in the world are we doing here? What are we doing? Jeff, I'm going to tell you something right now. I think there is a large, maybe not a larger percentage of Americans than you know, but a larger percentage of Americans than most people know who believe in Anthony Fauci more than they believe in God. Pregnant pause. But I think that's where we're at. I think that's where we're at. Believing in nothing is not the problem. Believing in the wrong things is the problem. I'd rather people believe in nothing so we can have a shot at them than people who are entrenched, propagandized, and drenched in believing the wrong things. It's awfully harder to deprogram than it is to program. And it's awfully harder to unteach than it is to teach. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by our friends at Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. Forget the heating, but for air conditioning and plumbing, Cool Touch is the company you want. It's the company I use. It's the company my friends and family use. You just have to experience them to know what I mean when I say it's the best customer service you'll ever have. For all your air conditioning needs, repairs, replacements, news, installs, you name it, inspections, call Cool Touch. They're there 24-7 for you. That's right. That means even Saturday at 8 p.m. I know because I've tried them and I've gotten them. CoolTouchAC.com. That's CoolTouchAC.com. For all your plumbing and air conditioning needs. Keith in Atlanta, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Seth. How are you? Thank you. Fine. Hey, um, now we're on the subject of accountability. And the one thing I will have to say for my military training that I really had a, a deep admiration and respect for is there was very serious accountability. And... I'm a former naval officer, and you have Rob, who was a former naval officer. I hear him calling every once in a while. Um, I was um, 
on a ship and on a surface line. And I will just say this much. If a ship ever ran aground, and in and, and, and between the two, the changeover of the watch, there was some lack of communications, there would be still an investigation and someone is going to go down, not just some, not just a captain, but there's going to be a group of people between those two watches that are going to go down. And that's the one thing that really disturbs me. And it stated in my craw for many years between the Bush and Clinton administration. I know that the media wanted to pin as much on Bush as possible, but there was a lot of things that the Clinton administration did, such as Jamie Gorilla tying up um, communications between the CIA and the FBI. And I'll tell you what, what really was indicting evidence against Clinton was because there was notes that were kept in the National Archives that Sandy Berger went in there and stole. And they were, there's video of him stealing it, and he still didn't go down. That's the thing that people like me get really wound up about. No one in politics in Washington ever goes down. They have these investigations. They hide things. Hillary Clinton, uh, Obama with Benghazi. There was some serious criminality with that one, and no one ever went down. And I'm telling you, for 13 hours, that I believe it is, that they, those people fought and died. And I'm going to tell you something. This is what really disturbs me about Benghazi. Pilots in Siginola are, are, are supposed to be on standby for, uh, ready to go and get in there in 15 minutes in case there's trouble in the, in the Mediterranean. Benghazi's like 580 miles away. You put a jet up there at, uh, over Mach 1 in, a, in over, just over an hour, they could get over there and strafe it. What I'm saying to you, for 13 hours they did not. No, I know, Keith. Listen, there's a word that needs to be reapplied here, fairness. Fairness, because I'll tell you something. If you want, I mean, it's, it's just the real, the real shame here is that Joe Biden didn't make a call to Ukraine. Then maybe impeachment would be on the table. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 